In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So last week, uh, we started a new series uh, in the Harvest Meeting about the sayings of the Desert Fathers. And the focus is on during this time in the Great Fast that we try to meditate on some of the things that the Desert Fathers have said and see what we can benefit from spiritually from them. As I mentioned last time, the Desert Fathers were a group of uh, both men and women actually that lived in the early um, uh, third and fourth centuries of uh, Christianity. And they went out and decided to kind of leave behind their life and to go out into the desert and the wilderness and to live on their own. And they lived a very harsh ascetic life. But they also experienced, um, because of their like voluntary asceticism, because of their voluntary renunciation of the world, they experienced some really amazing things in terms of their relationship with God, in terms of the way that the God worked in their lives. And um, we can see uh, like the wisdom in, in their sayings, in the stories that they wrote, and the things that happened to them. And um, a couple of people had asked me uh, from last time where we can read the stories um, of the early Desert Fathers. And I mentioned two sources. The first is uh, a book called uh, The Sayings of the, the Desert Fathers or The Sayings of the Early Desert Fathers. You can find this on Amazon. Um, another one is a two-part, two-volume book called The Paradise of the, of, the, of the Fathers or The Paradise of the Monks that you will find also on Amazon. Um, it's two, two volumes. It's like an anthology. So you kind of read through it, and it's like a bunch of sayings and little stories. I mean, it's it's not um, it's not like a like a like a, it's not like the whole thing is one story, but it's small little stories and small little sayings that we can glean, um, you know, um, a lot of wisdom from. So we started last time speaking about the topic of spiritual warfare, and some of the sayings of the fathers related to that. We're going to continue that this time um, and speaking about another father who many of us maybe are familiar with. Uh, his name is St. Moses the Strong, also called St. Moses the Ethiopian um, because he was from Ethiopia. He started out his life um, as a robber and a gang member. He was like a thug. I mean, he was a murderer. He wasn't by any means the type of person that you would expect to enter into a monastery or to become a monk. And that's one of the most beautiful things about the faith and about the story of this man, is we see how people can start their life in one extreme and actually through the grace of God be transformed to be something completely different. And if this man, St. Moses, um, was able to make this transformation, then all of us can kind of hold out and have hope that this also can happen to us, regardless of our background, regardless of how we live our life. Actually, if you're familiar, the monastery that we have in Texas is named after St. Moses. And I was asking uh, His Grace Bishop Yusuf one time, like, how did he choose the name of the saint? How did he choose the name of the, of the monastery? And he said it's exactly for that reason, that a lot of people live a life um, away from God. And the idea that using St. Moses as like an example to us of how we can always remember that God brings us back and how God can transform us again. So he was a very strong man. He was a very gluttonous man. He lived a sinful life. And one time when he was trying to hide from the police, essentially from the authorities, he took shelter with this group of monks that were dwelling um, in the Nitria Desert. And he kind of saw their lives, saw the way they accepted him, saw the way they lived together, and he began to like fall in love with this way of life. So he gave up his old way of life, and he committed himself to be a Christian, 
not just to be a Christian, but to live um, as a monk in this monastic community, and he became baptized. But it didn't just happen overnight that he turned from, you know, being this, this evil man into being a monk all at once. It was actually required a, a lot of effort from him. And um, it's something that he uh, always struggled with, and especially at the beginning of his life when he was still struggling with a lot of the kind of the old thoughts and the old habits that he had. So um, here this is a short little story about uh, St. Moses um, fighting against kind of his old habits, his old way of thinking. So it says, it happened that Abba Moses was struggling with the temptation of fornication. Unable to stay any longer in the cell, he went and told Abba Isidore. Abba Isidore was the priest. We actually uh, remember him in the liturgy, uh, when, if you remember when we say Abba Isidore the priest. At the time, um, the priests were not as common as today. Like today, okay, we have one city with many priests. At the time, you would have like one priest in the whole wilderness. And all of these monks would go to this one priest for confession, for spiritual guidance, and he would be the one who would like officiate liturgies and so on. So Abba Isidore, he was the father of confession of uh, St. Moses. Um, so it says, uh, he went and told Abba Isidore. The old man exhorted him, this is referring to Abba Isidore, to return to his cell. But he refused, saying, Abba, I cannot. Then Abba Isidore took Moses out onto the terrace and said to him, Look towards the west. He looked and saw hordes of demons flying about and making a noise before launching an attack. Then Abba Isidore said to him, Look towards the east. He turned and saw an innumerable multitude of holy angels shining with glory. Abba Isidore said, See, these are sent by the Lord to the saints to bring them help, while those in the west fight against them. Those who are with us are more in number than they are. Then Abba Moses gave thanks to God, plucked up courage, and returned to his cell. So Abba, Isidore, Abba Moses, as he was struggling with the thoughts of fornication and sin, he found himself being confined to be in his cell. So actually, um, monks live in cells. They call it a cell because, I mean, I don't want to say that it's like a prison, but it's like a place where you live, where you pray, where you, you force yourselves to stay. And many of the church fathers say that everything you need to know about monasticism, you will learn it in your cell. Meaning, don't give in to the temptation of wandering. Don't give to the temptation of socializing. Don't give in to the temptation of going out, out of this small little con con, you know, confined space that is assigned to you, to go and to want to find some alternate activity. I remember when I was in the 40 days in the monastery, uh, after I was ordained a priest, the priest spent 40 days in the monastery in a retreat. And so I lived in one of the cells that the monks live in. Um, of course, you know, modern times, it's not like a cell carved out of rock or anything like that. It's a, it's a room, okay? So I lived there just like the other monks. I had a room just like they had a room. And they're, you know, the, the monks, they have a schedule. They wake up at a certain time. They pray the midnight praises. Um, and then after that, there's a period of work, and there's a period of rest, and the period for food, and there's more work, and there's more prayer. Like, it, it's, a, it's a rigorous schedule all day. So I didn't have to follow necessarily the schedule of the monastery, but I would wake up early with them, and I would pray and so on. But I didn't have any assigned work to do um, other than to study how to pray liturgy and so on, but that didn't take so much time. 
So I found myself starting to get kind of restless, you know, because I'm, I'm sitting there, uh, you know, in, the, in, in, in my room, and I'm not sure what to do with my time. And it kind of reminded me of this concept and this notion that these monks, like whenever they feel restlessness, whenever they feel boredom, whenever they feel like a desire to go and to socialize, they're fighting against this to say, no, I'm going to stay and I'm going to continue my, my prayer rule. I'm going to continue my rule that I've been you know, assigned to do. And I remember for myself, I would, I, I would always look forward to the time in the evening where all of the other monks would finish their work for the day and they would all go to the computer lab, right? And so I would go there to the computer lab waiting for them to come so that I could have someone to talk to um, because that was the only time you could ever find the monks. Like all the monks are scattered all over the monastery doing their own work that they were supposed to do. But I knew that at a certain time they would come to the computer lab. So I would sit there waiting, waiting, waiting in the computer lab so that they would come. So I think I would be a pretty bad monk. Um, so we see here from this example of St. Moses, um, like, and Abba Isidor is revealing to him the spiritual warfare that's against him, right? He's saying, what you're experiencing is not just boredom. What you're experiencing is not just a desire to live a different way. There is an active, you know, attack against you, and specifically against those who have made uh, kind of uh, a, a very um, purposeful, intentional effort to live holy, just like these monks have, that the devil wants to topple them. The devil wants to destroy this way of life. He cannot stand that these monks are, have, have given up their life and desiring to serve God, to worship God, to you know, sacrifice everything they had for the sake of God. And so you have this legion of demons that is attacking them. But at the same time, Abba Isidore revealed to St. Moses that you also have this legion of angels that is protecting them. So when St. Moses saw that indeed God was coming to his aid and there was spiritual help and that St. Moses was not left alone to fight this battle by himself as he stayed in his cell, he said, you know what, even though it's difficult for me to stay in this place, I will go back and I will stay in this place and then I will receive help from God. So one thing we learn in this process of um, you know, spiritual warfare that we're in. So one thing we learn is definitely it is a warfare. When we say warfare, we are not just fighting against ourselves. Like there is, the devil is fighting us. He doesn't want us to fast. He doesn't want us to pray. He doesn't want us to forgive. He doesn't want us to have patience. He doesn't want us to love. He doesn't want us to sacrifice. All those things that whenever, even if naturally the thought would come to my mind to do those things, he is there to try to cancel it. He's there to try to convince us otherwise, to distract us, to lead us in a different direction. So that we don't do the things that we know we should do, right? And this is what this reveals to us, right? But at the same time, if in those moments, right, we call out to God and we will be able to receive help from this legion of angels who are also there trying to help us. Just as God allows the demons to tempt us, God also provides the angels to help us, right? So we call out to God and we seek his help. So our victory that we find over our temptations is not just by trying harder, because sometimes that's what we do. You know, I fail, and so I said, you know what, I'm upset with myself because I failed, because I lost my temper, because I lusted, because I lied, because I, you know, did something I shouldn't have done. I'm going to try harder, right? Which in the moment sounds like the right thing to do. You know, yeah, I mean, we, we fail, we should try again and try harder. But that trying harder is not enough. 
because because how much trying harder is going to help us to defeat this legion of demons? How hard do we try? Like, how hard do I try in order to defeat such an army? You know? Like, I couldn't even try harder to defeat an army of humans. If there was an army of human beings, like a, a foreign army, which is coming to attack me, to tear down my door, and to come and, and, and to fight me, how much harder can I try to defeat them? The point of this and kind of this revelation that God is showing us in, you know, in this story is the enemies that are fighting you are too difficult for you to defeat. Like, no matter how much you try, no matter how much you fight, no matter what you do, these enemies are too difficult for you to defeat. And the, at, when, we, when, we, when we realize that, when that really sinks into our thinking, it changes the way that we pursue our spiritual life. It changes the way that we pursue holiness. It changes the way that I think. My enemies are beyond my ability to destroy. They are so powerful, cannot destroy. But who is it that can destroy? It is not me, but it is the legion of angels. It is the angels that God has sent to help me. It is the spiritual allies that God has, has sent to help me. It is the work of God. It is the Holy Spirit who God has given me in order for me to defeat my enemies. So this means that the only way that I can overcome sin, the over only way I can overcome these temptations is not through my own strength, but it is through calling on God for his assistance, right? There's a story um, about St. Anthony, that, you know, St. Anthony, again, he was a very saintly man. Um, he lived for a time in complete isolation, okay? And the demons would physically appear to him, right? And they would beat him physically until he was wounded physically and they would harass him all the time and so there was one time where all these demons were coming to harass him to beat him until he was like bloody and in a lot of pain and then in the morning after they had stopped saint anthony was talking to god and he said to god god why didn't you protect me from the demons why didn't you protect me from their attacks and god's answer was well you didn't ask me like you didn't look to me as the one who could protect you from the attacks. You didn't look to me as the one who could save you. There's also a story, some of you might be familiar with um, a monk whose name is Father Lazarus, who lives in St. Anthony Monastery today. He's alive right now. He was, uh, he's an Australian man who was an atheist, and then he converted to Christianity to be a Coptic Orthodox monk, and he lives up in the mountain, of S in St. Anthony's Mountain, and he goes and he prays, uh, liturgies in the cave of St. Anthony. You can see his videos actually on, the, on YouTube on the CYC channel, which is an uh, English channel for the Coptic Church. You can search for Father Lazarus and you find all his stories. It's very interesting. So I remember watching one of them and he was saying there was a time when he was walking uh, like in the mountain that he saw a demon, okay? And in that moment, he like froze and, and he was scared from what he saw. But he didn't call out to God for help, right? And so that demon overcame him, and he pushed him, and he fell and got hurt. And so Father Lazarus himself is saying, in that moment, I should have called out to God. In that moment, I should have asked for God's help to protect me from the devil. And so sometimes when we are attacked, our first instinct is not to call out to God, but it is to kind of to, to dig in deeper, to, to try harder, to do more, right? Or maybe we just lose hope altogether. 
You know, we say, oh, I, I can't do more, or I tried doing more, it didn't work. So this is why, like when in the great fast, right, in the great fast, we emphasize the idea of spiritual discipline because we are seeking the help of God and to realize that what we need, not just during this period of the 55 days of the great fast, but what we need the entire year is the help of God. We need the help of God to change. Who is it that changed Moses to be the man that he was, to be the man who became? It wasn't because Moses had any experience in monasticism or Christianity or because there was something special about him or because he tried really hard. It was because he accepted the work of God. When we want to bring God into this battle, into this spiritual warfare, when we seek him, when we focus on our spiritual activities, this is when God responds and he is able to grant us victory. Another example of uh, a well-known desert father, his name is St. John the Short. They call him the Short because he was short, because he was not tall. Um, another name for him is St. John the Dwarf, uh, is another name. He was um, a son of four parents. He was born in 339 AD. Um, and at the age of 18, he went to Skidus, which is what we said is the wilderness, this desert um, that many of the, the monk monastic communities were. He went there at the age of 18, and he was trained by a man. His name was Abba Amoisis, okay, for 12 years. He was one of the most famous characters because of his virtue, and specifically his virtue of obedience. His virtue of obedience was unconditional. When someone gave him a command, he did it even when it was extremely unreasonable, <laughs> even by our own modern standards. Um, he was eventually ordained a priest, um, and, 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 and many of his sayings you know, are, are valuable, and we read them today. Um, what did St. John uh, teach? Or, or before that, let me, let me tell you one of his most famous stories, which is famous, many of us might have heard it. So his father of confession, her spiritual father, his name was Emba Bemwa. Emba Bemwa, seeing the potential of St. John, treated him very harshly, very strictly, you know, and he didn't give him any compassion. He didn't give him, uh, he, he, he always was, was kind of like pushing him, pushing him, pushing him to the limit, testing him all the time, because he knew that St. John could, uh, could accept it, and he didn't want St. John to fall into pride because of the great gifts that God has given him. So one of the, the most famous story, I would say, about St. John, the short, is Emba Bemwa, he gave him a stick, and he told him, go carrying this uh, very heavy uh, containers of water. Uh, for And I think it, he had to walk like 12 miles or something like that. Um, every single day, carrying this water. And, and he told him to plant this stick, and then every day to water the stick. Okay, Any one of us, perhaps, would have grumbled <laughs> against um, our boss for telling us to do something completely... Um, like, uh, like, like, doesn't make any sense. Why are you asking me to go plant a stick and to water a stick? There's no benefit. There's no benefit. And oftentimes when we are called to do something we don't like, when someone kind of an authority over us asks us to do something we don't like, we immediately think of, well, I don't want to do this because it doesn't make sense. Okay? But if you put that aside for a second, what actually is the greatest benefit that, and Babemo was trying to get from St. John. It wasn't the fact that watering the stick was necessary or important or 
made any sense. It was developing the spirit and the virtue of obedience in St. John so that he would not only be an example to the monks at the time, but an example to all of us even now, that we would look at him and his example and say, this man was very special in the way that he was able to obey God. So sure enough, for years and years, St. John would go and he would water the stick and he would spend hours every single day walking in the heat carrying heavy load of water just to go water the stick. And he never complained and he never grumbled against his spiritual father and, and said about him that he's, you know, he's cruel or he doesn't make, any, it doesn't make any sense or kind of rebelling against him and so on, which in our modern time, very likely, if we are honest with ourselves, you know, we grumble at things that are 10 times less grueling than that when people tell us to do something that doesn't make sense. And so after years of doing this, St. John went one day to the stick and he saw that the stick had actually grown into a tree and that there was fruit on the tree. And so St. John took up this fruit and he went back to his father and Babimwa and he told him what happened and that this stick had become a tree and he offered him the fruit. And then Mbabimwa gathered all the monks around and he told them, here, take this fruit and eat of this fruit of obedience. This is the fruit of obedience, right? God was demonstrating his, uh, his blessing on what St. John was doing all those years. And St. John was learning about this uh, virtue of obedience for himself. So in the end, we can say, well, well, it didn't make any sense. Okay, maybe it didn't make any sense. But it produced something that all the logic in the world and all the sense of the world cannot produce, right? The fruit of obedience. So God was saying, this is the benefit of obedience. Learn obedience, and it is through obedience that you will have salvation. So what is one of St. John's teachings um, on fasting. Okay. So it says, Abba John the Short said, if a king wants to take a city whose citizens are hostile, he first captures the food and water of the inhabitants of the city, and when they are starving, subdues them. So it is with gluttony. If a man is earnest in fasting and hunger, the enemies which trouble his soul will grow weak. Okay. So this is... Um, you know, one of the reasons why we in the church emphasize fasting so much. He's saying, if you want to go to attack a city, you cut off their food supply, and now those enemies grow weak. So who are the enemies, right? The enemies are the spiritual enemies that we mentioned earlier in the story with St. Moses. The enemies tempt us with things, you know? Like maybe all of us, on the level of our mind, we believe in God, and we believe that spiritual things are important. And if you were to ask someone or to ask us, do you want to be able to pray without ceasing? We will say, yes, I want to be able to pray without ceasing. Would you want to be able to stand before God and to experience his presence and, and, and lift up your hands and feel God's glory and love and all of this? All of us will say, yes, I want to experience this. I want to have this. Then the question is, is what are we willing to do for it to happen? Like, how much do we really want it? Because when you say, do you want something, the question is, is what are you willing to do to get it? Do we care about it so much that we are willing to sacrifice to achieve it? That we are willing to give up something that is of value to us to achieve it? Because that's how we can tell how much we value something. We value something according to the amount we're willing to give up to get it, right? If you have a car that you want to buy and its price tag is $50,000, you ask yourself, am I willing to part with $50,000 to get this car? If the answer is yes, 
And that means I value the car more than I value $50,000. And what else I could have bought with that $50,000? That's how much I want the car. I'm willing to give up $50,000. Well, when it comes to spiritual growth, okay, when it comes to fighting against the attacks of the enemy, and I say, yes, I want to overcome the enemy, and yes, I want righteousness, and yes, I want to be holy, and yes, I want to follow God. Okay, what are you willing to give up to attain that? Are you willing to give up 15 minutes of prayer per day? Are you willing to give up reading a chapter of the Bible? Are you willing to sacrifice waking up early to go to church? And maybe sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is no, right? So when you ask us, how much do you care about the spiritual life? How much do we care about salvation? How much do we care about God? It's not about what we say, because we say stuff all the time. It's about what we do. It's about my actions. It's about what do my actions reflect? Is truly my values, my priorities, what I think is important, and so on. So here St. John is saying, if you really care about overcoming the enemy, if you really care about destroying him, right, then cut off his supply lines. Cut off the, the means by which he tempts us. And if one of the means that we are tempted is through food, is through pleasure, it's through pursuing the desires of the flesh, cut off the desires of the flesh. Then the enemy has no means of attacking you. Then the enemy has no means of, of, of attracting you to sin because we have completely cut off his avenue. We have completely cut off the, the, the means by which he poisons us, right? And it, we have stopped it. We have cut him off. This is what here he is saying um, in this. So the summary about the section about spiritual warfare, um, which was supposed to be finished last week, but it looks like it's just going to be finished this week. Um, spiritual warfare is real. It's real. It's not just that we have to have better habits. It's not just that we need to learn techniques about how to do things better. It's not just that we need to learn better time management skills. It's not that I just need to learn information about how to live better. All those things are good, but they are not enough because the enemy is invisible, because the enemy is powerful. That is why it's a warfare. It's a spiritual warfare. It's a war, right? If we were in a physical war, we would always be mindful of that fact. Like if we were actually soldiers in a war, right? We'd be training all the time. We'd be thinking about how to defeat the enemy all the time. We'd be protecting ourselves all the time. You can imagine that soldiers that are like, you know, sent to war, living in some, you know, foreign place, getting ready for war that could be attacked at any time. They're always thinking about the war. Like the war is the, is the number one thing on their mind because they feel at risk. They feel vulnerable. They feel that they are under attack. Our problem is that we don't feel at risk. We feel not vulnerable. We feel invincible. And we feel like there is not an attack. We feel like I'm enjoying my life. I'm enjoying my days. I'm going about my normal, my normal day. And uh, the world is for me to enjoy, right? And as long as we have that mentality that all we are seeking in the world is enjoyment from the world, then we are not going to take this war seriously. Because the devil doesn't want us to believe there is a war. He doesn't want us to even con you know, like, like comprehend that there is a war. Or, 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 you know, admit that there's a war, a war, realize that there's a war. He just says, live your life, enjoy yourself, be happy in the place that you are. This is what you should do, right? And his attacks on us are very subversive. They're not overt. They're not sending bombs, right, that then everyone looks, hey, we're under attack. No, he, he doesn't want anyone to know that he exists. He doesn't want anyone to know that he attacks anyone. And so he uses our natural desires 
to kind of poison us slowly, 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 to lead us away slowly, 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 without us realizing that this is happening. And this is what makes him so successful. He knows what we, um, he knows what will get us to go after him, and he does it without us even realizing that it's happening. So the spiritual warfare is real. Also, victory is possible. How? Because we, we bring God into the fight with us. Because, because just as our enemies are invisible, so our allies are invisible, right? The invisible allies that St. Moses saw when Abba Isidore made him see, right? It is these allies that help us to overcome the spiritual enemies. It is not through our own effort. It is not because we are talented or strong. No amount of effort, no amount of cleverness is going to help us to overcome an army of demons, right? Which are there, which are real, which really fight us. We bring God into the fight. We ask him to grant us victory. And that is through the work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, that transformation can happen, that we can truly have, um, we can truly, uh, have victory over the enemies. But in order for us to receive this, we have to give up something. We have to sacrifice something. We have to show that this is, is, is something I truly want. And I'm willing to pay whatever cost, not pay money, pay whatever cost to achieve this. Do I really want to be strong spiritually? There is a cost that I must pay. This is why when the Lord was speaking about discipleship in the scripture, he told the people, count the cost. You want to be my disciple? You want to follow me? Don't just think that you're just going to sign on a piece of paper and, and that's it. No, count the cost. There is a cost. Are you willing to pay the cost or not? Are you willing to give up what is necessary or not? Are you willing to put aside your natural inclinations, your natural desires, the natural things that tempt you, that you want to go after and obtain and enjoy? Are you willing to cut those things off? That's what the fasting is about. Are you willing to cut off your desires to show that I seek God more than I seek my stomach, more than I seek my own time, my own will? That is what we must give up. And so we ask ourselves again, do we really want to win? This is a question for each of us, right? The church has placed before us the means of victory. And many people before us, we see in their life, in their example, they have attained miraculous victory over the enemy. St. Moses is the perfect example of this. Who of us can say that we started where St. Moses was, right? But who of us can also say that we've ended up where St. Moses did, Right? He, he got there through the work of God in him. And so we have to really ask ourselves honestly and seriously, um, what do I need to do? What is, what, is, what is my role in this? How do I bring God into this? Because this is our struggle in life. This is what we are doing in this world. We are not here to enjoy it. We are here to remain pure. We are here, here to be united with God in the midst of a world that seeks to strip us from him. To, to lure us away from him. How do I remain close to God? How do I draw closer, closer even to God in the midst of this? One topic that we learn so much about from, this, from the Desert Fathers, and of course this is like nothing compared to what the Desert Fathers have written um, about this topic of spiritual warfare. Any questions about the spiritual warfare before we conclude today? Yes. The sayings of the Desert Fathers... Uh, and uh, the Paradise of the Fathers. And the Paradise of the Fathers is uh, two volumes. Yes. 
Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Mm. Any other comments or questions? Okay, glory be to God forever. Amen. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O God, for this day, because you have given us every opportunity to know you, to go after you, to see your love for us, and to be attracted to you. You give us every opportunity, as you did the prodigal son, to see the futility of this world, to see the disappointment that's in this world, to see all the... Uh, pleasures and desires that our hearts seek after and how they are empty and fruitless in the end. We ask, O oh God, that you fill us with your spirit, that you give us a true desire for yourself, and that we do not live our life in vanity, seeking after the things of the flesh, the things, O oh God, that are distractions, the things that have no real eternal value, but instead we seek after you, and we bring you, O oh Lord, into our life to be a priority and the one thing that we seek after more than anything else. We ask, O oh God, that you, you we learn and that we participate, and that we experience all of your goodness, and that goodness that you have given us in your church, which reminds us and allows us to live a life of holiness. Grant us, O Lord, a desire for confession, a desire for uh, humility, a desire for obedience, a desire, O Lord, for renouncing the evil things in our life and to draw closer to you, believing all the while that we are able to achieve this through your strength and not through our own. Be, O oh Lord, with all your people. Be with our church and be with every church and all of the churches in the world. Help us to remain strong against the attacks of the enemy, both the human and the spiritual, both the visible and the invisible. We ask, O oh God, for your strength, your mercy, your forgiveness, your love, and that you would grant us joy, the joy of our salvation, and hope, O oh Lord, that we are walking down the path and that we will see you again in your glory. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, Hear us as we pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, and the communion and the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.